welcome to another edition of Digging Deeper with Brian Hale. Brought to you by Hale Multimedia, website and mobile app development for over 25 years. That's HaleMultimedia.com. Now listen in and join me online at DiggingDeeper.us. Okay, we are ready for segment number four, and this is our favorite segment. Yes. Oh, but there's so much preparation that goes into the other one, the other segments. Yes. This one seems to be so easy and so natural. Relaxed. And after all, we are just reading a book. And yeah, so, well, yeah. plus some commentary. Yeah, we get a little bit in there, here and there, <laughs> but we're having fun here. So this yes. is segment four, and we're reading through The Purpose Driven Life, the mm-hmm. book by Pastor Rick Warren. And again, if you haven't heard us in a few weeks, you know we're doing one of these chapters per week, and it was the book that we read through when we were first married. We read through one night, one chapter each night for the first 40 days. Right. And it was a really good foundation for understanding things in our relationship. And so tonight, we're on chapter 20, and it is about restoring broken fellowship. And uh, it's been a lot of great stuff so far, but now this is kind of a darker subject because things happen. Yes. Relationships get broken. And uh, for every everyone or anyone out there who's ever had their heart broken you know that it's no little thing. Right. So we're going to go through a chapter called Restoring Broken Fellowship. And before we do that, though, you're going to go through our first 19 chapters for us, aren't you? Let's just review. All right. Number one, it's not about you. Two, you are not an accident. Number three, living on purpose is the path to peace. Number four, life on earth is just a dress rehearsal. Life is a test and a trust. Life is a temporary assignment. And chapter 7, it's all for him. Mm -hmm. Then we went on to chapter 8. You were planned for God's pleasure. God smiles when you trust him. The heart of worship is surrender. God wants to be your friend. I'm as close to God as I choose to be. God wants all of me. God is real, no matter how you feel. And that went through 14. Now we're on 15, which was, I was formed for God's family. And then 16, life is all about love. Chapter 17, you are called to belong, not just believe. Chapter 18, life is meant to be shared. And then last week, community requires commitment. Mm. So those are grouped in a way that helped us understand that. Uh, better. Those first eight chapters laid the foundation and then laid out the purposes. Right. First, The first seven Mm -hmm. was the foundation and then the next seven was um, God's pleasure. They're divided into purposes. So the first one is the foundation of the purpose-driven life and then the second set, the eight through fourteen, was based on you were planned for God's pleasure and then the second purpose is what we're on right now, which is you were formed for God's family. So the first one of each of those introduces the subsets. Very good. So this is 20, mm-hmm. Restoring Broken Fellowship. And we have a verse there in 2 Corinthians 5.18. You want to read that? God has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry 
of restoring relationships. Relationships are always worth restoring because life is all about learning how to love and God wants us to value relationships and make the effort to maintain them instead of discarding them whenever there's a rift, a hurt, or a conflict. In fact, the Bible tells us that God has given us the ministry of restoring relationships. For this reason, a significant amount of the New Testament is devoted to teaching us how to get along with one another. Paul wrote, If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, agree with each other, love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. Wow, that's good advice. I like mm-hmm. that. That's it. That's a good one. Paul taught us that our ability to get along with others is a mark of spiritual maturity. Mm. Since Christ wants his family to be known for our love for each other, broken fellowship is a disgraceful testimony to unbelievers. This is why Paul was so embarrassed that the members of the church of Corinth were splitting into warring factions and even taking each other to court. He wrote, Shame on you! Surely there is at least one wise person in your fellowship who can settle a dispute between fellow Christians. (laughs) He was shocked that no one in the church was mature enough to resolve the conflict peaceably. In the same letter, he said, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. (laughs) Yeah, in this offense culture. Jeez, what a good point for today. Yeah, yeah. People, people get too offended, and it's all about them and how they feel. But God, but God teaches us that we need to take into account other people's feelings before our own, mm-hmm. and that's how you don't take offense. <laughs> kind of sounds like what I was saying earlier in the segment in number two tonight when uh-huh. we were talking about the situation with the missing persons, and I was getting straight to the point and I said knock it off knock Mm -hmm. it off people stop this talking about how you believe this family killed him or this family believes that family killed him knock it off people knock it off work together Paul is saying here Mm -hmm. it's like knock it off stop attacking each other yep Satan wants us divided yes we're not gonna we're not gonna do that guys this show encourages unity here but Unfortunately, we do know the fact that Jesus said himself, he did not come for unity, he came for separation. Right. And that was because we cannot be wishy-washy about allowing those who are unbelievers or against God, who are blaspheming him and his ways, we cannot just turn our other cheek and act as if it's not happening. We can't, we can't be a peacemaker. We can't be a peacemaker by, by avoiding conflict. That's not how you do it, right? Right. You've got to get in there and separate good from evil acknowledge the truth and disregard or cut out the lies cut the fat out mm-hmm. cut right. it out and throw Trim it in the wastebasket <laughs> call it if you want God's blessing in your life and you want to be known as a child of God you must learn to be a peacemaker Jesus said God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God Notice Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace lovers, because everyone loves peace. Neither did he say, blessed are the peaceable, who are never disturbed by anything. Jesus said, blessed are those who work 
for peace. Those who actively seek to resolve conflict. Peacemakers are rare because peacemaking is hard work. Because you were formed to be a part of God's family and the second purpose of your life on earth is to learn how to love and relate to others, peacemaking is one of the most important skills you can develop. Unfortunately, most of us were never taught how to resolve conflict. We're taught to run away from it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Peacemaking is not avoiding conflict. Running from a problem, pretending it doesn't exist, or being afraid to talk about it is actually cowardice. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was never afraid of conflict. On occasion, he provoked it for the good of everyone. Sometimes we need to avoid conflict. Sometimes we need to create it. And sometimes we need to resolve it. That's why we must pray for the Holy Spirit's continual guidance. Peacemaking is also not appeasement. Always giving in, acting like a doormat, and allowing others to always run over you is not what Jesus had in mind. He refused to back down on many issues, standing his ground in the face of evil opposition. How to restore a relationship. Here we go. There'll be seven things here. As believers, God has called us to settle our relationships with each other. Here are seven biblical steps to restoring fellowship. Talk to God before talking to the person. Discuss the problem with God. If you will pray about the conflict first instead of gossiping to a friend, you will often discover that either God changes your heart or he changes the other person without your help. All your relationships would go smoother if you would just pray more about them. As David did with his psalms, use prayer to ventilate vertically. Tell God your frustrations. Cry out to him. He's never surprised or upset by your anger, hurt, insecurity, or any other emotions. So tell him exactly how you feel. Most conflict is rooted in unmet needs. Most of these needs can only be met by God. When you expect anyone, a friend, spouse, boss, or family member to meet a need that only God can fulfill, you are setting yourself up for disappointment and bitterness. Mm-hmm. No one can meet all your needs except God. The Apostle James noted that many of our conflicts are caused by prayerlessness. Hmm. Quote, What causes fights and quarrels among you? You want something but don't get it. You don't have because you do not ask God. End of quote. Instead of looking to God, we look to others to make us happy. And they get angry when they fail us. God says, why don't you come to me first? (laughs) Number two, always take the initiative. It doesn't matter whether you are the offender or the offended. God expects you to make the first move. Don't wait for the other party. Go to them first. Restoring broken fellowship is so important, Jesus commanded that it even takes priority over group worship. He said, if you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend had against you. Abandoning your offering, leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. When fellowship is strained or broken, plan a peace conference immediately. Don't procrastinate, make excuses, or promise, I'll get around to it someday. Schedule a face-to-face meeting as soon as possible. 
Delay only deepens resentment and makes matters worse. In conflict, time heals nothing. It causes hurts to fester. Acting quickly also reduces the spiritual damage to you. The Bible says sin, including unresolved conflict, blocks our fellowship with God and keeps our prayers from being answered. Besides making us miserable, Job's friends reminded him, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. And you are only hurting yourself with anger. The success of a peace conference often depends on choosing the right time and place to meet. Don't meet when either of you are tired or rushed or will be interrupted. The best time is when you're both at your best. Number three, sympathize with their feelings. Use your ears more than your mouth. Before attempting to solve any disagreement, you must first listen to people's feelings. Paul advised, look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. The phrase look out for is the Greek word skapos, from which we form words like telescope and microscope. It means pay close attention. Focus on their feelings, not the facts. <laughs> Begin with sympathy, not solutions. Facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> don't try to talk people out of how they feel at first. Just listen and let them unload emotionally without being defensive. Nod that you understand even when you don't agree. Feelings are not always true or logical. In fact, resentment makes us act and think in foolish ways. David admitted, when my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, I was as stupid as an animal. <laughs> we're all beastly when we're hurt. In contrast, the Bible says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Patience comes from wisdom, and wisdom comes from hearing the perspective of others. Listening says, I value your opinion, I care about our relationship, and you matter to me. The cliche is true. People don't care what we know until they know we care. I like to say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. To restore fellowship, we must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. Hey, that was in an earlier chapter. Let's please the other fellow, not ourselves, and do what is good. It is a sacrifice to patiently absorb the anger of others, especially if it's unfounded. But remember, this is what Jesus did for you. Mm -hmm. He endured unfounded, malicious anger in order to save you. Christ did not indulge his own feelings, as scripture says. The insults of those who insult you fall on me. End of quote. <laughs> Number four. Confess your part of the conflict. If you are serious about restoring a relationship, you should begin with admitting your own mistakes or sin. Jesus said it's the way to see things more clearly. First, get rid of the log from your own eye then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Since we all have blind spots, you may need to ask a third party to help you evaluate your own actions before meeting with the person with whom you have a conflict. Also, ask God to show you how much of the problem is your fault. Ask, am I the problem? Am I being unrealistic, insensitive, or too sensitive? The Bible says if we claim that we are free from sin, 
We're only fooling ourselves. You know, that reminds me of a song. So long when it's sad to say, but you're only fooling yourself. Confession is a powerful tool for reconciliation. Often, the way we handle a conflict creates a bigger hurt than the original problem itself. Mm -hmm. When you begin by humbly admitting your mistakes, it diffuses the other person's anger and disarms their attack because they were probably expecting you to be defensive. Mm -hmm. Don't make excuses or shift the blame. Just honestly own up to any part you have played in the conflict. Accept responsibility for your mistakes and ask for forgiveness. Okay, number five, attack the problem, not the person. You cannot fix the problem if you're consumed with fixing the blame. Mm. You must choose between the two. The Bible says, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. You will never get your point across by being cross. <laughs> so choose your words wisely. <laughs> a soft answer is always better than a sarcastic one. <laughs> Hey, look, we're just reading, okay? We're reading this, okay? In case you think I'm being a little bit, okay, hypocritical on saying, telling people not to be sarcastic when I'm doing reading. I'm reading this, okay? All right, a soft answer is always better than a sarcastic one. It's our Christian segment, right? Right. Okay. <clears throat> be nice all the time, people. You know, sarcasm has a place, but mm, okay. Uh, not in here. <laughs> Yeah, just not when you're trying to resolve a conflict. Oh okay, oh, okay, there you go. So there is place for sarcasm, just not when you're trying to resolve a conflict. Correct. Okay, that helps me understand when to time my sarcasm. <laughs> so in resolving conflict, how you say it is as important as what you say. If you say it offensively, it will be received defensively. God tells us a wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Nagging never works. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Oh, Rick is full of them mm -hmm. tonight. Let's go back up to the one. You will never get your point across by being cross, so choose your words wisely. <laughs> That's a good one. And nagging never works. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. During the Cold War, both sides agreed that some weapons were so destructive that they should never be used. Today, chemical and biological weapons are banned, and the stockpiles of nuclear weapons are being reduced and destroyed. Footnote, this book is a few years old. For the sake of fellowship, you must destroy your arsenal of relational nuclear weapons, including condemning, belittling, comparing, labeling, insulting, condescending, and being sarcastic. you got to get that out of your arsenal. Paul sums it up this way. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will be good to those who hear you. And I know that our Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but that only which builds others up. Right. Number six, cooperate as much as possible. Paul said, do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Peace always has a price tag. Sometimes it costs our pride. It often costs our self-centeredness. For the sake of fellowship, do your best to compromise. 
adjust to others, and show preference to what they need. A paraphrase of Jesus' seventh beatitude says, You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Number seven, and the last one here, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Hmm. It is unrealistic to expect everyone to agree about everything. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation focuses on the relationship, while resolution focuses on the problem. When we focus on reconciliation, the problem loses significance and often becomes irrelevant. There you go. We can establish a relationship even when we are unable to resolve our differences. Christians often have legitimate, honest disagreements and differing opinions, but we can disagree without being disagreeable. What? Mm-hmm. It's what, true. We can, we can disagree and still get along? Yeah. yeah. You can disagree with me all you want. It's kind of fun. I'll play the devil's advocate with you too, but yep. you know, don't get all pissy about it if I disagree with you on something. Don't take it personal, people. Right. Fake, woke, snowflakes. <laughs> Sorry. That was the last segment. Sorry. Was... We can disagree without being disagreeable. Ah, yes. The same diamond looks different from different angles. <laughs> mm-hmm. God expects unity, not uniformity. And we can walk arm in arm without seeing eye to eye on every issue. Well, that's why there are different perspectives even in the Gospels. Right, Because true. people saw it from different angles. Yeah. Four you know? different books or chapters, you want to call them. Yeah. All from four different guys that were right there mm-hmm. with Jesus, all telling the same exact story, and they're different. Yeah. Oh, really? Core message is there. Yeah. The witness is there, but they are from different perspectives. Yep. Very good. And we're talking about, of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes. This doesn't mean you give up finding a solution. You may need to continue discussing and even debating, but you do it in a spirit of harmony. Reconciliation means you bury the hatchet, not necessarily the issue. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you need to contact as a result of this chapter? Oh, hush, Rick. <laughs> Asking these personal questions here. <clears throat> Who do you need to contact as a result of this chapter? With whom do you need to restore fellowship? Don't delay another second. Pause right now and talk to God about that person. Then pick up the phone and begin the process. Okay, stop right there. <laughs> These seven steps are simple, but they are not easy. Nope. That's why I'm being resistant here. Yes. It, it takes a lot of effort to restore a relationship that's why Peter urged, work hard at living in peace with others. But when you work for peace, you are doing what God would do. And that's why God calls peacemakers his children. Mm. Mm. Point to ponder, relationships are always worth restoring. Mm-hmm. They take time, though. Come on now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can't be immediate. Ah, verse to remember, do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Romans twelve eighteen. Mm-hmm. And do we have to ask that question again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says question to consider right there. Who do I need to restore a broken relationship with today? 
Who's your one? Mm. Say a prayer for him and go through these seven steps. Number one, talk to God before talking to the person. Number two, always take the initiative. Number three, sympathize with their feelings. Number four, confess your part of the conflict. Number five, attack the problem, not the person. Number six, cooperate as much as possible. And number seven, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Mm. All right, good steps. We pray for you and we pray for others in conflict and we hope that you can restore a broken relationship this week. This is great advice. We'll, we'll talk to you next week and see how our struggle here goes because we're right with you. We're no different than many folks out there. You have a conflict with somebody and you know it's not your fault. We know it's not our fault, right? We all know it's not our fault. You know? <laughs> but we need to take these steps. And we need to take these steps seriously and restore those broken relationships if you have any out there. It's a good chapter. Yeah. We'll be back next week with chapter number 21. What are we looking at We're on that We're halfway one? done now. Yeah. Yeah. What do, we, what do we go into next week? Protecting your church. Oh. All right. Church yeah. is a group of people that make up the building, not the building. Right. So protecting the church would be protecting God's people, other believers. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be good. Yeah. All right. That does it for chapter 20 in Pastor Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in to us read through these chapters, and we hope it was a blessing to you. And that'll do it for tonight. Good night, everyone. God bless. And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. We appreciate you listening, and remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.